Welcome to Closing Time. Conversations on commercial real estate, development, brokerage, and the economy. Presented by Capital Rivers, the leading disruptor in commercial real estate. Our host for this episode, Greg Aguirre. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Chris is a fellow resident up in my neck of the woods in El Dorado Hills. And Chris is a former professional snowboarder, lifelong surfer. And uh, we got to know each other through his vision of, you know, being able to bring surfing and that surf experience uh, inland, which is uh, ironically the name of his company, Inland. So uh, thank you for uh, joining us, Chris. Thanks for having me, Greg. Happy to be here. So Inland tell me a little company. bit about, you know, how you got into uh, like your history. You know, you, you were a professional snowboarder, obviously, you know, surf. You live in El Dorado Hills, which is not near the ocean. You know, give me a little uh, history there on how you got to uh, where you're at now. Well, I grew up in on the central coast in a small town, Pismo Beach, California. I grew up in a... The surfing goat. There is the surfing goat man down yeah, my there. My daughter, uh, we read the uh, the story. I forget the guy's name, but uh, I'm on a sidebar too much on that guy. But um, he wasn't there when I was a kid, but he's there now. And essentially, it's a a guy that drives around with a couple goats, literal goats, in his Prius, and then he takes them down on the beach on a giant stand up surfboard, and and somehow they surf. So it's become quite the the spectacle down there, but I was a little before his time, I guess I'll say, but this was, um, you know, in the, in the eighties is when I was there. And, um, I, like I said, I I grew up as an only child in a single parent home. So it was really just me and my mother. And, um, what that sort of, uh, pointed me towards was the board sports. And I, I got my first skateboard at about 12 or so. And, um, you know, that just really fit in with being an only child and, in that situation. So the board sports um, and me go way back and, and it started with a skateboard. And um, I just, we have totally that in common. I, yeah. uh, I gravitated towards the, the board sports as well and uh, divorced parents and only child. So sounds like we have a lot in common, although you were a lot better than me. It sounds like <laughs> <laughs> maybe just more time at it, but um but yeah, so I just, you know, I just really gravitated towards that. It was, it was cool because it was an individual sport. I didn't, I didn't have to have, you know, parents rushing me to the soccer games and the, and the baseball games. And I did do a little bit of that in, in my youth, but as I got older, that got a little harder for, for the mother to do. And so the, the board sports just really provided that, that outlet for me to kind of have something creative to do, something outdoors to do. And, and I just really fell in love with it. And eventually a few years later, I, I started to surf and fell in love with that as well. And around 1990, when I graduated high school, I didn't have a whole lot of college aspirations. So I, I wanted to become a professional snowboarder and I moved to Lake Tahoe and I got a job in the parking lot at Squaw Valley or what's now called Palisades Tahoe. And just worked there for a number of years, about three years, just kind of learning the sport, perfecting my my craft and and sort of networking. I've always been sort of good at networking and sort of having that entrepreneurial spirit of, you know, making it happen. And um, eventually I just followed up, followed some of the professional 
photographers around. I befriended them and and sort of followed them around. And one day uh, the stars aligned, the conditions were just perfect. And I jumped off a cliff and, you know, my photo was taken and that, that photo was a uh, full page in, in the magazine, the trans world snowboard magazine. Oh, that's um, awesome. So that just really opened up a lot of doors. And I kind of felt like I had, you know, started down my path of reaching my goal and about three years later, I had over 50 photos in the magazines and I had gone to places like New Zealand and Alaska and Canada to promote my sponsors. And it was really just a really fun and exciting time in my life. And eventually I um, got to the point where I started a family and and sort of shifted my direction from being a, a pro snowboarder, you know, making a thousand dollars a month to getting into the corporate world. And I, I went back to school um, got a little degree and then got a job as a stockbroker for E-Trade, which was down on White Rock Road. Uh, they yeah. were down there in, in Sacramento. A little Sacramento. different than snowboarding. Yeah, a little different, but, you know, it was... Surfing the financial to, waves instead of uh, the real ones. Yeah, exactly. So that was kind of fun. I learned a lot, you know, kind of worked up through customer service into the, into the trading and then, um, you know, a licensed broker. And uh, worked there for about seven years until they they moved their operation to Texas. And um, at that point, I started to work for Apple uh, down in Elk Grove and uh, in the tech industry. And I I sort of enjoyed the tech industry a little bit more than the financial industry. Um, I didn't love, you know, advising. I didn't really see myself as being a financial advisor. So I liked the kind of career shift to Apple. It was a very exciting company. It's right around the time the iPhone was, was launched. Uh, I was in 2007. So that was super fun to be a part of that company when, you know, they were doing such um, monumental things. And um, about 12 years later, here I am. So, you know, I worked, I, I left Apple about two years ago to pursue my, my ambitions here in the, in the surf park space, but had a really good, you know, career there at Apple and learned a lot and just kind of got to the point where I didn't feel like my, my true strengths were being utilized and see the surf park space as just being, you know, something that I'm kind of built for. And I was, yeah. I was, I was. So back to your roots, sort of, right? Yeah. Back to my passion. You know, I think so much of, you know, society just teaches us to, you know, find something you're interested in and, and you're good at, but at the end of the day, we're kind of just all working to, uh, to live. And, so true. and um, you know, I'm just uh, at 49 um, and with my kids uh, now 26 and 23, Two, you know, it was a perfect time to just kind of uh, reevaluate myself and my own goals. And that's exactly what I did. And I decided that, you know, I, I love surfing and I love the board sports and I want to impact people's lives through those things. And, um, and the surf park space and the ability to do that is just um, really exciting for me. So, so rather the, than move the to the ocean, bring the ocean to you. And uh, exactly. I, I've, yeah. I've lived in, lived in this area for um, for 25 years and I, I could easily move back to the coast, but I really don't want to. I love the area that yeah. we live in. No, I you agree. Know? Well, so, so the surf park space is unique. I mean, I think a lot of us have seen, you know, the, um, the wave pools when you go down to like the boardwalk and places like that. And that's not what we're talking about. So can you kind of share what is a, a wave park? And it seems like the timing right now, at least from our prior conversations, is ideal with the technology and, and where things are at. 
you know, and the ability to create a wave that much more mimics a natural wave in the ocean. We don't have the luxury of looking at some of the uh, the really cool photos and renderings that you've shared with me on the podcast, but maybe kind of share what is the wave pool and what's the, the evolution that's gotten us to where the space is now with tech and because it's kind of becoming a big thing now. No, it's, it's an extremely fast growing industry and it's booming to say the least. You know, there's over a hundred surf park projects across the globe that are either planned or in works. So it's a super exciting space, but I usually describe it as there's two kind of primary types of waves. And then there can be two primary types of, of wave parks, you know, built upon those. But there's a traditional wave or a traveling wave like you would see in the ocean. It, it breaks and it travels and then it loses its energy and, and stops. And then there is what's called a standing wave, which mimics what you find in the river. So it is more of a of a static, you know, wave that doesn't travel. It literally stands there in place and the surfer can go back and forth on it, but the wave itself never loses its energy. It just keeps forming. And that's what um, was in Bend, right? That's what you were riding when you were up in Bend, Oregon? Yeah, so so the river waves are are just that and that's what they have in Bend, Oregon and they're not to be confused with um, the other product, what's called a sheet wave, which you may have seen. Those have been around for about 20 years. Those are the flow rider products that are on cruise ships and um, and places like that. So that's more, that's a different type of wave. It's only about two inches of water and you're on almost like a skimboard or a skateboard, you know, so there's a little bit of similarity there, but it's really quite different from the, the deep it's not water. surfing. Yeah. Yeah. You're not using fins on the surfboard and it's not a right. real surfboard. So but with the deep water standing waves, they definitely are a real surfboard, same surfboard you can use in the ocean. So those are those are really cool. The big surf parks and surf lagoons uh, that are being built are they're focusing on the traveling waves. So these are waves that break and travel. And um, the technology has been proven. So they've been about 2015 is when they really started pushing uh, the technology on these. And, and now, you know, seven years later, um, they've they've just really perfected what they can do with them. And there's about five primary different wave generating technologies. Pneumatic is one of the, the ways where they push air to form the waves. And then there's electromechanical where there's, you know, a mechanical device that pushes the waves. So there's a couple different ways that they can create the waves. But long story short is, you know, the technology and the ability to create those waves is now proven. And it's somewhat of a race for a lot of the developers to to build these parks. There's just so many that are going in. There's four that are slated for the Palm Desert area. There's four that are going into Arizona alone. Mesa, Arizona, Phoenix, Scottsdale, and I want to say Gilbert, but that's another well, location. Well, the, size uh, the sizes range, right? I mean, it's anywhere from a couple acres to a whole complex with... Uh, you know, restaurants yeah. and shops and... Yep. Yeah, another another good point. You can basically essentially build an urban beach. And around that urban beach, you can put everything from a, a bar and a terrace to activity pools for kids to swim in, to skate parks and buildings with um, restaurants and, and um, you know, beach clubs and retail. And there can be lodging associated. Um, it really just depends on the size of the land, the, you know, the budget and the, and the division of the developer. 
Yeah. Um, you can also make demographics, them, right? And kind of visit yeah, and the, the vacation and the demographics. Or, yeah. Yeah. Some of these will be built on, you know, 80 acres. Some will be built on as little as five acres. It really, you know, and the smaller project will be primarily the wave with some supporting buildings around it, but it doesn't necessarily have, you know, 40,000 feet of mixed use office space or doesn't have the the hotel or the the cabanas, you know, so it really just depends on the, the demographic, the budget of the developer and, and the vision. Well, and what I think is so fascinating is, uh, you know, on the commercial real estate side, this whole concept of, um, you know, experiential retail has really been growing quite a bit over the last few years. I mean, you've got, look at, look at what's happening with Top Golf, right? And then you've got these trampoline jump parks and you've got you know, all kinds of, um, you know, new experienced based, you know, retail concepts. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, the idea that you can be outdoors, be surfing, be with your family, and you don't have to drive, in our case, you know, being in, in El Dorado Hills, you don't have to drive a couple hours to get to the ocean. You know, it's just a really, really interesting concept, right? I mean, I don't think anyone really thought that that Top Golf was going to be as successful as it was. At least I didn't, right? I mean, you're going to, okay, it's a driving range. Great. You know, we've all gone to driving ranges, but it becomes an experience. You know, you can go there with your family, you're having fun, you're getting exercise, uh, you know, there's a, a bar and restaurant. So it seems like this is just kind of a continued evolution of that. And, you know, it's not just for the the surf professional or, or uh, you know, it's for everyone, right? I mean, you could bring yeah. your family, you could have lessons, um, you can hang out and just spend some time at the surf park, uh, which I think is really, really cool. And uh, yeah. it's really starting to take off. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, it, it's about so much more than just the surfing. For folks that think it's just for surfers or it's just going to be about surfing, it's, it's really about so much more. It's about bringing a desired recreation to a place that doesn't have that recreation. You can't surf without the ocean or a surf park, you know, wave pool. So being able to to solve that problem and bring that to the the, the people that want it is huge. And and then all the other things that come along with it that are, you know, the improved health for the users, the the social engagement, you know, these surf parks become essentially a gathering place. You know, it's what we envision, which could be different from some of the other developments that you'll see is, is sort of a, a mix between a public space or a public park and then this surf amenity, you know, so it's not going to have a feel where you have to kind of have a pay to access to just watch. You know, it's it's really wanted to be if you're on your jog or you're riding your bike, you know, you're able to come through and sort of view with different vantage points and, and be a part of it, um, even if you're not surfing. And so there's a nice piece there where you can just really encourage that social engagement within the community and and get people to unite and and become um, just more valuable. To you get a whole lot more of that now too. Uh, that community and, and uh, everyone coming together and uniting and, and, you know, spending time and hanging out. I mean, you know, now's the perfect time for that, especially, you know, coming out of COVID, which is, well, I don't know if we're coming out of it. I guess it's still around, but, you know, I just, uh, it seems like people really want that connection. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's, again, why we're seeing experiential retail really thriving, you know, just continues to, to be a growing market. You know, you shared with me recently, I think you just came back from a trip overseas and uh, you were surfing some of these uh, new wave parks. 
you know, can you maybe kind of share what that experience was like and uh, what did you do? Did you, did you just surf? Did you hang out with, you know, friends and grab a drink while you're watching other surfers? Tell us what it was about. Yeah, it was incredible. My first time to Europe. So I was, you know, dealing with, with that. It was just a super cool place. You know, America's cool, but Europe was definitely um, something to experience. But no, it was it was great. You know, we went there to to surf two of the products. One of the deep water standing waves by a company called Unit. They make a floating standing wave that you can put into a body of water uh, without having to necessarily dig a hole and 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 make the body of water. You can just plug this into an existing body of water. So that was really cool to to surf that. That was in Milan, Italy, and um, you know, so when we went there, I literally got off the plane and booked into the hotel and was at the surf park um, by 6 p.m. and and surfing by 6.30. And that was just really fun. And then while I was there, we we did some, you know, some sightseeing. We went and into Milan, which is the fashion district. And it was really cool to just see some of the old uh, sightseeing stuff. I, I can't think of the exact name of the plaza that we were in, but there was a really big famous plaza that's been there for, you know, 700 years or something. So that was really cool. And and it was great to meet the people that um, that built this product. They, you know, brought us out to show it to us, and essentially, um, sort of like a sales demo. But that was really, really fun. And then after Italy, I went to Switzerland, a little town called Sion, Switzerland, which is where this Wave Garden product is at a place called Alaya Bay, and um, that was just a, a mind blowing experience. You know, I hadn't been to the the big surf park. I'd only been to the the River Waves like Bend, Oregon, and there's a surf park in Chelan, Washington, and then the, you know, the unit wave. So it was my first time at the big wave park and it was just pretty mind blowing how experiential that, that was to, to surf those traveling waves, not just the standing wave in the, in the small space, but actually have a much larger space to, to surf in. And it was really cool from a, you know, a visitor standpoint. It was, I was just really impressed. My expectations were exceeded pretty much on every level. From the moment you walk in, you know, the, the reception area was just extremely nice and friendly and helpful. And, and then, you know, the locker rooms clean and very easy to use. And, and then the surf experience was just incredible. You know, we got, I, mean, I got 15 waves in an hour, which is probably more than I would get in several sessions in the ocean. And there wasn't any sort of, there's no sharks and there's no sharks and there wasn't any sort of, <laughs> sort of lobbying or um, jockeying for a position amongst other people in a small session with, um, you know, it could be as little as five other people or maybe as much as 10 people. But the way that the the sets are delivered is, is you're basically delivered five to six waves every 90 seconds. So um, you just get in line and, and off you go. In Switzerland, it, it was chilly. You know, this was late October. So we were in full wetsuits with hoods and okay. um and booties and gloves kind was, of a wussy i think i would request the uh, warm water version yeah i tried uh going down to even even san diego which is warmer water than you know what we've got up here in northern california and it's still too cold for me but uh were you in a wetsuit <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh you know i don't know maybe i'm just uh Kind of a, a wussy when it comes to that. Well, I think so. I think the more you do it too, you know. I mean, we're conditioned. I mean, I surf in Lake Tahoe in the middle of winter. That's and, insane. You know, in Northern, and in Northern California, we don't have warm water, so the ocean is quite cold too. But so you get conditioned for it. If you haven't really done it much, Greg, I mean, it's going to be 
a bit of a shock at first, but the more you do it, the better equipment you get. We're basically sweating out there in our, in our wetsuits, you know, so it's not, not too bad, but they do push it a little further on that comfort level. And during those cold months in Switzerland, it's, you know, it is at the base of the Alps. Um, so there's, there's snow uh, on the ground. It's a little chilly. Is it yeah. salt water or fresh water? Uh, it's not, not salt water, chlorinated fresh water. Okay. Does that make a difference? I mean, do you notice that, you know, obviously there's the buoyancy aspect there, you know, if yeah, there is. your eyes, can you tell, you know, that you're riding a wave that's, that's not in the ocean? I don't know if you can tell while you're on the wave so much. I mean, maybe a professional would be able to, and maybe, you know, if I really tried to, to think about it, I could tell some minute differences while I'm on the wave, but it's more, you do, you do have a little bit different flotation and you will find that you, your board selection, just like your golf, you know, selection might change a little based on that, but it's kind of a non-issue, you know, that's amazing. Um, it feels really nice to not have the salt water sometimes, you know, as much as I love the salt water, yeah. um, just that crystal clear blue, uh, pool water is kind of cool too. Yeah. Then you get out, rinse off and go have a beer. Yeah. So the experience was really great there too. Go to go back to Alaya Bay in Switzerland is they've really mastered that after surf experience, you know, and I was really impressed with how many non-surfers were there just watching the, the surfers. Some of those were, you know, family members and grandparents of the, the kids that were surfing or the, the people, you know, the wives of the, the men that were surfing or, or vice versa, but just a lot of people there. And that, that food and beverage experience was really cool. It was everything from a, $15 wood-fired pizza to a $30, you know, Thai meal or um, short ribs or just really, you know, kind of higher end food. So they've, they've done a good job with mixing sort of all aspects of their potential clients on the food and beverage side by offering a pretty wide, uh, a wide menu. Man, I can't wait until we get one of these open uh, up in my neck of the woods and bring the family and you can teach me how to surf and, you know, uh, hang out. So we got to make it happen here fairly soon. I know you're, you're uh, working hard at it and you've got a, a pretty phenomenal team. Um, you know, Chris cooks on your team and he was, a, a or is, I guess, a big wave surfer and surf coach and published uh, surf photographer. So obviously he knows his, uh, his way around the waves and, and what's going on. And then you've got Alex Collins, who is an architect and product designer and, uh, you know, he's designed uh, some surfboard fins and some other uh, surf-related products, right? And so you guys are living it and uh, you've got the right team. And, you know, I've had the pleasure of getting to know you over the last couple of months and, you know, just really enjoyed our conversations and and super stoked about the uh, the future of the industry and, and getting something going up in, in kind of our neck of the woods. So really 100%. appreciate you, uh, you know, spending the time and kind of sharing with everyone you know, the, uh, the surf world, inland surf world. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. I'm really grateful for my teammates. You know, we're grinding hard and, and right now it's a bit of the, the sweat equity phase where we're just really, you know, building the, the vision and, and putting it all together. So, um, special thanks to them and special thanks to you and your team as well. You know, I, I had been looking at some land here in the area and, and picked up the phone and called the number and, you know, didn't get a, a voicemail. I got, I got your guys. I got Joe right on the line, answered my, my questions, <laughs> you know, answered my questions and, and, you know, kind of helped me with that early, those early questions. But what was more impressive was 
you know, I think it was a three or four days later, um, you guys called back and you called back to just make sure that we didn't have any more questions or need any more help, you know, with that land. And, and I mean, obviously you're here to, you know, sell the land. And I think that's a good, good thing, but it opened up, you know, the opportunity for us to, to get together and realize that we have a lot in, in common, you know, not only on the personal level, but on the professional level. And uh, that's really exciting. So I, I appreciate the opportunity to kind of work with you and I'm excited to where we take it. Yeah, no, likewise. I mean, I, when we first spoke, there was kind of that automatic connection. And, uh, you know, I know, um, you know, you're passionate about surfing, but, you know, you also are passionate about the community. And, you know, as am I, not a good surfer, but passionate about the community and, um, you know, love seeing cool concepts like this come to fruition. So super excited that, uh, that we get to work together and, uh, you know, looking forward to making this happen. So, you know, really appreciate it. And, um, you know, thanks again. Uh, no problem. Thank you, Greg. Thank you for downloading Closing Time, presented by Capital Rivers Commercial. If you're interested in partnering with us, visit CapitalRivers.com to learn more. And follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram for the latest updates and real estate opportunities. Mm-hmm.